Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for being here this week. Another great one. You know, this one is particularly special just because it was it was so nice and, and cool to, to speak to this person. I interviewed Daphne Maxwell-Reed. Now, she's best known probably for um, her portrayal of Aunt Vivian in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, you know, it was so special to speak with her just because, you know, I watched the reunion special of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that was uh, done on HBO Max back in December um, 2020. And just to, to see her her elegance and her grace and, and how she she um, you know did the show because for those who don't know uh, with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for the first three years one person played the role of Aunt Vivian and for the the last three years another did uh, and that second person was Daphne Maxwell-Reed and just th- the way that that uh, she welcomed in the the other Aunt Vivian um, because there was some you know some turmoil and some drama that happened back then that that made um, you know the the original the OG Aunt Vivian not uh, stay with the show um, but but Daphne was just was just so welcoming and, and so happy to, to see the other person who they had not seen for for almost 30 years that I knew this is a person that I have to to try my best to 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 speak with um, in my research of, of you know, once I, I knew that I was going to be able to to speak with her, have that opportunity, just the research and to see, wow, this this person, just like everyone else, has such a story and such a powerful one. We're going to talk about it, but um, you know, as a, a woman of color back in the the '60s and and early '70s, um, the barriers that she broke was just absolutely amazing and fascinating to, to speak with her about something I didn't know too much about um, before you know, researching her for this interview but man it was such an honor to speak with her it was so nice to speak with her um, she you know she's married to uh, another actor that, that uh, Tim Reed that you might know um, from parts like Sister Sister they worked a lot together in, in sitcoms uh, back in the in the 80s um, but but you know not even to, to speak about him she is just a, an absolutely amazing person done an amazing amazing things you know this success couldn't have happened to a better person um, I, I was just I was honored to, to speak with her hear a little bit more about her story um, get, uh, just a little bit of her time and, and also you know Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was such a uh, an awesome show I remember watching it growing up and and just really enjoying it everyone you know everyone knows the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song I'm I'm almost positive everyone can break out just a little bit of it um, you know maybe the Carlton and, and and do that dance and things like that just a, a really um, a good show that, that transcended it didn't matter whether you were white black or a, a pretty shade of purple um, you know it, it was just a, a great show um, I, I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed speaking to her. Uh, no more rambling on. I, I think I've kind of already told you just how special it was to speak with her. But um, without further ado, here is my interview with Daphne Maxwell-Reed. 
I am here today with Daphne Maxwell-Reed. Daphne, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, thanks so much for agreeing to join me. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Well, let's just kind of get right into it. Obviously, we're going to talk about, you know, your awesome acting career. But before that, let's kind of talk about the very beginning. You know, you've accomplished so much, but let's talk just a little bit about growing up in, in New York and, and, and how your upbringing was. I came from a nice family of poor people who lived in the projects, but we had a whole family and a very responsible uh, parent, uh, two parents who really expected good things of us and uh, were very strict with us and pushed education, but they also pushed joy and culture and family. And it was just a wonderful place to grow up because of all of the things that are available in New York City, all the cultural outlets and things to do and educational adventures and educational resources. It was a very fine place to grow up back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s when I did it. Yeah, yeah. And obviously education's huge. That's that's what I do for a living. I'm in higher education. So it's great to hear that obviously your parents kind of pushed education. Um, you know, I've listened to to some of your other interviews and I know that that education kind of paid off. You went to a, a really great uh, high school in New York City and then you went off to, to Northwestern as well. So, so something was paying off based on uh, what your parents pushed, right? Pushed and what God gave me in gifts of intelligence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, other than, you know, acting and, and well before that, um, you know, you, you broke a, a lot of barriers when we're talking about Northwestern. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you were the first African-American homecoming queen. Is that correct? I was, yes. How much did, to their chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> and how, did, how did that come about? Uh, my roommates uh, pushed my picture onto the, to the platform and uh, said, you're going to run for homecoming queen. I was modeling <laughs> at the time, so they were really proud of me. Yeah. And uh, I said, I don't even know what a homecoming queen is. But uh, I looked in a couple of yearbooks before me and said, oh, OK, they ride on the float and they go to the football game. OK, that's fine. And um, I got selected to be on the court, which was very surprising to me. And that happened on a Thursday afternoon. And that Thursday, they told me that we would be riding in a float on Friday and we were going to go to some place where the float ended and the queen would be crowned. And then they said, you need a white gown to ride on the float. Of course, I didn't have a white gown, <laughs> but I had the gift of knowing how to sew. So I went directly to my fabric store and whipped me up a white gown for Friday, rode in the parade, doing your little queenly wave to the students, I was very much wanting to go to Pittsburgh where my then boyfriend was playing football that weekend. And I really was not interested <laughs> in being the homecoming queen. <laughs> I said, okay, Friday night, we'll do this. She'll be selected. I get out of here Saturday morning. Well, we got up to the top of the hill and they called my name. And I, I was... I didn't hear it. 
the girl next to me had to hit me and say, they said you. She wasn't pleased. <laughs> um, when I walked over to the president of the university who was to crown the queen, somebody handed me some roses in my arms and he looked at me almost spit <laughs> and said, I have to hold this on your head till they take pictures. And he put this little rose crown on my head and turned and walked away. Mm. I said, oh, okay. And everybody left the area and somebody in the crowd said, come with me. You're supposed to go over to Scott Hall now and be introduced to the Alumni Association. Nobody was telling me anything. The other four girls had whisked away and the, one of them was in tears. And we were in the, um, behind the, the stage in Scott Hall. And poor little girl was just crying her eyes out. I said, you know, I need to get out of here. So you want the crown, I'll be happy to give it to you. If it means that much to you, cause it don't mean nothing to me. <laughs> Which probably didn't help. These people were so excited about it and you're like, eh. Oh, please, <laughs> come on, what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't know how I had gotten elected. But if you figure there are five of us on the court and they split the vote four ways for them, then I was an outlier. And uh, they were each introduced individually to the Alumni Association on the stage and you could hear backstage the applause and, and um, they took their bow and then they got to the queen. And I walked out on stage and there was dead silence. And I said, oh, thank you. And I left. <laughs> and I went to my dorm and I told my roommates, see what happens? Now I can't go. <laughs> I can't go to Pittsburgh. But the joy I had was the community that surrounded me at the football game of all of the other black students in attendance at Northwestern. And there was probably by then about a hundred, 120. And uh, the black press showed up and I was featured on the cover of the Jet Magazine and in the Amsterdam News and my community celebrated me. So that was joyous, but otherwise psh, the yearbook <laughs> came out that year and there wasn't even a listing of my name in the yearbook. So of course I go to the yearbook editor and said, excuse me, miss, whatever your name is. Why am I not in this yearbook? And she said, it wasn't important this year. I said, I understand. <sighs> and uh, that, that kind of put a wedge in my relationship with Northwestern for about 40 years. Oh goodness, goodness. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's quite the story for sure. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that that relationship has at least at least kind of simmered a little bit, right? Well, the Black Alumni Association, 40 years later, invited me to um, receive a Hall of Fame award. And I think it was because I was on the Fresh Prince, but whatever. <laughs> so I came and they gave me the award and said, please tell us about your experiences at Northwestern. And I did. And they said, <laughs> we had no idea. I said, I know you don't. They didn't write it down. <laughs> Goodness. So they called the president who apologized to me and invited me to crown the queen the next year. Oh, that's good. And the relationship uh, just defrosted a little bit. 
Well, that's that's good. At least they they did something. Obviously, nothing really makes up for the way that they they handled the situation, but they did something, I guess. So they did something years, years, years later. But it really still was not important to me. The snub was more important than the actual um, crown. Right. Right. Yeah. So you, I'm sure it's, it's something that you maybe are are even more proud of. You were talking about being on, on jet magazine, but another barrier you broke, you were um, the first person of color on glamour magazines cover as well. Correct. Correct. And that was a surprise to me too. I had been doing editorial modeling um, while I was in school and it was just another shoot that I had gone to New York to do. And going between Chicago and New York back then, $25 round trip for a student fare. So Hmm. it was easy to fly back and forth. And uh, it was just another shoot that I did. I got there. I don't know that I was in front of this photographer for more than a few minutes. I don't know that he used a whole roll of film. Hmm. And uh, my mentor said, okay, you're finished. You can go back to school now. Okay. And I walked by the newsstand months later and that was me on the cover. They didn't bother to call me and tell me. (laughs) Really? (laughs) It was you, you just saw yourself without even knowing it was gonna happen. Yeah, that, that, that was a delight. Yeah. So did you pick up a few copies? You bet. <laughs> and I still have them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking at I'm looking at it now. And so other than your smiling face and that red outfit, the whole rest of the thing is how to, how to, how to, how to. So just just for fun, do you remember from 1969 how to give the best cocktail party of the season? Oh, I do it often. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of how to. So I don't know if yeah. it was a. I guess that's what they were talking about at that season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. So, so yeah, obviously you, you, you've done so much more than, than just acting. I know in another interview that I I heard from uh, somebody asked you about, you know, how does it feel that you, you broke on all these barriers and, and why do you think it happened? And, you know, what she said was, I thought was kind of interesting. You said, you think you were just kind of, it was, at that moment that a lot of barriers were being broken. So you were just kind of lucky that you, you got to, to do a few of them. I was in the right place at the right time and nobody had done it before me. So I was the first, Yeah, <laughs> but you can only deal with that in hindsight. I mean, you don't, a pioneer doesn't strive to be the first. You just move out on faith and walk your path. But when you look back, you say, I was the first to do that. Okay makes a pioneer out of you, but that's also how you get shot in the back is being a pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after, after Northwestern, after that, uh, you, and, and you, you completed, um, what did, what did you do then? What, I don't know whether acting came, you know, right away or, or, or what did you do right after Pi- or pioneer right after uh, Northwestern? <laughs> I graduated with a degree in interior design and architecture, but I was still modeling and I was modeling also in Chicago and doing television commercials. Mm -hmm. So that was really fun. I did my first commercial was a national commercial and I was able to join Screen Actors Guild. And that was one of the smartest things I ever did in my life. And uh, from then I just kept doing little films of, uh, corporate films and narrations and 
doing voice work for commercials. I was having a really good time and Robert Conrad came to town in Chicago and he was doing a series called The Duke. And he was auditioning the talent in town and I was one of the people he auditioned. And we had a rapport and he put me in this series as a series regular <laughs> and okay. I was prepared because I had done acting in high school and taken workshops uh, when I was living in New York. I was part of something called a group theater workshop that became the Negro Ensemble Company, which is, uh, it was just surrounded and filled with lots of black talent and lots of information. And I was doing it as a lark, but boy, I had a good time doing it. And it prepared me uh, for that opportunity that Robert gave me. Then I moved out to Los Angeles a couple of years later and he was shooting another show. And of course I said, hey, I'm in town. <laughs> and he said, oh good, I'm doing another show and I have a part for you. I said, thank you. And I was able to get an agent and I did a show and then I did another movie with him, a television movie. And, and then I just kept working. Yeah. And here I am. <laughs> and here you are. So, you know, I, I know that, you know, acting wasn't always always the dream. You said that you were, you know, in, in some plays and, and did some acting in, in high school. But what do you think created that passion to actually, after Northwestern, after that interior design degree, just to, to, continue, to continue with it? Was it just meeting, meeting, you know, that, that particular person and just rolling with it and keep on rolling? Or, or what do you think created that passion? I don't know that there was ever a passion. It was the journey that I had chosen. Hmm. And it's like, you get to a stop sign, you turn left or you turn right, you know, I turned right. And I kept going on that path. It could have been totally different had I not made the choice. So all of the things that happened to me came from making choices at that moment mm -hmm. and being again in the right place at the right time when people were looking for something like me and there was an opportunity for me to step into a role that I was prepared to carry and enjoy doing. And as long as I enjoyed doing it, I kept doing it. When things were slow, it didn't really bother me because I had other things that I really liked to do. So I did them. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us this, you, you know, you mentioned uh, a few of your, your early roles, but tell us just about a few of those, those other sitcoms and, and TV shows you were on uh, Simon and Simon, Frank's place snoops. And I also noticed that all of them have another actor named Tim Reed. I don't know if you've kept yeah, in contact with him at all or. Well, yeah, yeah. I've known him for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> I did WKRP with him as well. That was, I had never even seen WKRP when we remet. We had worked together in Chicago modeling, doing Sears catalogs and, and United Airlines commercials and things. But he was just another guy I worked with. I had no bells about this guy. <laughs> and um, we got reacquainted. He invited me on a date. He said, Scott, let's have a drink and, you know, talk about old times. And it was supposed to be a five minute drink because he was on his way somewhere. And um, it turned into a five hour gab fest. And that was 40 years ago. 
and you're we still just still gabbing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. <laughs> and so, then I got to work with him. Yeah, you you've got to work with him several times. How is that? Oh. Uh, how is that? Uh, I guess work with with your significant other. It can be heaven and it can be hell. <laughs> it <laughs> depends on the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was a great ride. I can tell you that. I mean, the whole the whole journey was really a wonderful ride. And to do it as a family was even better. I bet. We didn't marry until 1982, but um, we got to do Simon and Simon together. And then when he stopped Simon and Simon and created Frank's Place, then his partner, Hugh Wilson said, there's a part for Daphne. I want Daphne to do this. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then it just kept going. And when Frank's Place got canceled, CBS gave him snoops and he produced it and directed it and damn near wrote it and acted in it and almost died doing it and uh when that show was over i said mr reed this is show business this isn't real life let's 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 have a life now <laughs> and we moved to virginia so we had to sit, kind of quiet down for a little while and we bought a beautiful farm in charlottesville and we were chilling out relaxing maxing all cool and <laughs> and then, and then another go. opportunity came available huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so obviously we, we've made it we made it what 17 minutes without you know mentioning obviously the role that a lot of people know you for and that is aunt vivian from from fresh prince of bel-air so tell us just a little bit about i guess the the uniqueness of joining a cast after it's already been on the air it's already a, a relatively popular show. Um, how, how was that to, to, to join that cast and, um, you know, step into a, a established role? Um, I was not asked to recreate the role um, like the other Aunt Vivian. So they were hiring me to do it my way. The cast knew of my work, uh, my previous work and respected it. And I was welcomed with open arms because I had a great relationship with James Avery that kind of was discovered during the audition process. And I, I just fell in love with the guy. He's just, he was a very, very, very good friend of mine. And um, we had a lot in common and we had a lot to share with the other cast uh, being the grownups on the set. And uh, it was just an amazing adventure with that group, a, a really lovely, warm time. It, there was not a beat missed. I mean, we stepped out on the stage that fourth season and just hit the ground running. Yeah, and I think that when, when it comes to shows and, and recasting characters, I think what made this one so easy was that they weren't trying to just exactly emulate what they already had it wasn't like they were just trying to act like nothing had happened obviously you know it's got to be this the same you know person within the show but it was still was a, a different dynamic i think that's kind of what made it work actually not just to try to you're not fooling anybody it's not like people don't know that they've changed um so was that important to you i feel like that it would be 
you know, it, it's obviously important not to, to just try to be the other person, but did you almost feel a, a pressure to make sure you completely make it your own? It's impossible to try to be something else. Right. I could only be myself. That's yeah. what I had to bring. If they didn't want that, they would have selected somebody who could bring what they wanted to, to bring. Right. I, I could only bring me and, and I think I tried my best to bring some respect and some class and, you know, act like a woman who lived in Bel Air. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I like money too. <laughs> yeah, I can play that. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned in the reunion special, you know, that you said they were talking, you know, about a show and it was going to star a rapper and you were thinking, no, thanks. So did they, uh, did they come to you before it started and, and mention the show? I was just asked to go to an audition, uh -huh. uh, just like everybody else is asked to go to an audition. Mm -hmm. And I said, what is the project? And they said, oh, it's a sitcom with a uh, young rapper. And I said, uh, no. <laughs> Thank you very much. I had just finished Frank's Place and Snoop's and a sitcom with a young rapper was not in my taste frame. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't go. Yeah. And uh, three years later, they called and I had seen the show and thought it was so cute. And I said, okay, I'm going this time. <laughs> and I did. And it took about two weeks to get that part, but I got it. You got it. And, and you, you made it something that was, that was really awesome. I think Thanks. so. So, I mean, that show, I think that it was, it was revolutionary and, and broke some, some barriers too. Um, did you guys feel any kind of, I, I guess, pressure based off of, I guess the, the differentness of the show and, and trying to break some of those barriers in TV as, as the um, reunion was, was talking about, there's really only three shows at that time that was portraying, you know, a, a black family. So did you guys feel any, any of that pressure? I don't know if they did, uh, but I had been portraying a black woman for many years. <laughs> probably your whole life, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I had portrayed a black family in uh, Frank's Place and in Snoop's. And so portraying a black family was not a burden or a challenge to me. Um, I'm sure it wasn't a challenge to them either because they all came from black families. But um, we had the privilege of working with writers who understood that there were nuances in our culture, that what they wrote sometimes didn't ring true to us. And we were able to say, uh, can we change that? Because in our culture, this is what would happen. I mean, they had one line, they had little Ashley sass talking back to her father. And I said, oh, excuse me, honey. No, the little girl wouldn't have any teeth. We don't know. <laughs> no, no, she can't do that. Find another way. <laughs> so they did. So but that's a privilege to be able to have that kind of input. Right. And, and I think obviously that's what made the show too. Yeah. And the stories that they crafted were universal stories, universal themes. Fish out of water is always a good way to, to carry a, a tune mm -hmm. and um, they were smart enough in casting and in creating to have five different viewpoints in that family. Each of the children came from a whole different 
sphere. I mean, a different planet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there were a lot of ways to think about how to solve a crisis or a problem. And you got to see all the different ways of input to create harmony. And it all ended up being a family anyway. And I think that was the lesson that rang so true with most audiences was that despite how weirdly different each and everybody was, everybody's viewpoint, it all added up to a nuclear family that made things happen. Absolutely. No, that's... I and you've got to give a lot of credit to the charisma and the talent of Will Smith. He's just a powerhouse. He's such a charismatic person and such a great personality and his business sense and his professionalism and his energy is boundless. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're kind of answering it now, but that was another question I had. You know, obviously you, you came to the show when it was already um, popular. So you knew that it, it, it had a, a breakout star in Will Smith for sure. But did you realize while you were on the show that, man, this guy is, is going to, to be something? Because obviously he's, you know, a, an entertainment juggernaut at this point. So did you know but that he, at that time? Yes, because he brought 180% to rehearsal. Mm -hmm. So he had a commitment to doing well, to growing. He listened well, he understood the nuances of the business and he had good partners who helped him make good decisions. And uh, we watched his movie career bloom. We had our comments on his performances <laughs> and he probably grew from those comments, but uh, we weren't, soft peddling his portrayals on things. And um, especially uh, James Avery would just tell him, guy, you gotta commit. You didn't commit it. Why didn't you do that? He, well, I was worried about the boys back at, you can't be worried about that stuff. You have to commit to the character. And he listened. So he, we watched him grow and bloom and we are his biggest fans, so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's the biggest thing in, in any career, just listen to constructive criticism, people that you realize that are trying to make you better. If you listen, a lot of times you're just going to just whoosh, grow from it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So in, in the reunion, the, other than you know, the, the tribute you guys made to James Avery, which was really touching, the other part that, that I, I guess was, was pretty heartfelt was when you guys did, um, you know, sit down and, and meet, you know, the, the OG Vivian, you know, you, you mentioned that you, uh, you hadn't met before. So just how was that to finally sit down and I guess kind of meet and, and, and talk? I was grateful that they had invited her. Mm -hmm. um, we had been to other gatherings that she was not a part of. But if you're going to celebrate the 30th anniversary of a show, you better start with the person who started the show. Mm -hmm. So I was very happy. I, had, I knew nothing of the controversy. I didn't know what had happened between Will and Janet. I had no idea. I didn't follow the social media. There wasn't social media back when uh, 
I was doing the show and the cast never talked about it. I asked James once what had happened. And he said, we're not talking about it. I said, okay. And I never talked about it. So when we got ready to do the reunion, the uh, producers asked me, was I comfortable if Janet was going to be there? I said, yeah, it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I mean, it would be lovely to meet her. And it was, it was lovely to meet her. And she had relaxed with Will and she was gracious enough to embrace me as I embraced her. And the only thing I told her, well, the first thing I told her was welcome home. Mm. And uh, I was ready to give up my seat to her. And Will said, no, you will both have a seat here. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I, and I almost, as, as strange as it seems, I almost like that, you know, they, Will obviously talked to her and, and you guys watched that and they kind of talked about the, the issues that they had. They showed you guys meeting, but I almost like that they didn't actually have everyone sit down and now talk it out all through. I almost like that they kind of kept that between you all. I, I did like that. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. I think it was well-produced special. I was sure. very pleased with the outcome of, of the work that we had done that day. It was genuinely a family reunion. It really was a spontaneous family reunion because we're very much family. Yeah. So what, what, uh, how, how did that, the whole special come about? I mean, obviously shows, you know, do reunions at different intervals, but, but how did you guys decide a, a 30 year reunion and on, you know, uh, that, that streaming service was, was something you wanted to do? I didn't decide. <laughs> I got invited. Yeah. It was Will's company that produced it. Uh -huh. And he made the deal, I guess, with HBO Max and um, invited each of us in July, asked us, would we like to join him in a reunion? Well, who's going to say no? <laughs> you know? We were concerned about the COVID protocols, but his company took care of all of that, sent us a whole PPE package before we even got on a plane mm -hmm. and had lots of protocols. Screen Actors Guilds have great protocols for shooting with uh, this pandemic and they abided by all of the protocols and then some. So it was a lovely, comfortable way to come together and we were able to be unmasked and do the show. Everybody else around us was masked and we were masked when we weren't on set, but it was just, it was thrilling. It was an absolutely thrilling occasion and it was supposed to be a secret, which was kind of fun for us. He had lots of surprises for us. He uh, put us all in separate hotels so we wouldn't be reunionizing before the show. And he ju they just treated us like kings and queens. And I, it was <laughs> a great break to this COVID madness. And the show itself was a big hug for the whole community for the holidays. It was just perfectly timed and and warmly received. So absolutely, I was very happy. No, it, it was, it was amazing for sure. I, I really, really enjoyed it. 
Um, so what, what is, what does life look like now? Obviously, you know, that you just had the 30 year reunion. I'm sure you've been doing just a, a couple, couple things in, in the last 30 years. So what does life look like? Life looks like whatever it's going to be. <laughs> I don't look too far ahead. Uh, there's some projects in the works that uh, people have asked my availability on. Uh, yeah, I'm available. Call me when you get it together. And in the meantime, I'm making masks to help people stay safe. They have HEPA filters in them. I still design and I have a custom business for sewing some of my designs. I am still doing photographs and making books and calendars and note cards. And, and I've been selling a cookbook for a year or two. Uh, that's a mini memoir. And uh, I stay busy. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. I was looking at uh, one of your books and I, I think that's really cool. The book was, it, it's like pictures of, of doors and stuff. Uh, across the world. I, I think that's really cool. I, um, you know, I, I've done quite a bit of traveling. I always like to, I always first like look up at the ceiling. I like to see ceilings and uh -huh. doors and things like that. So you to kind of focus on that one area and just see the differences. I, I, I found that really, really cool. Well, I think doors are a metaphor for life. So I just hope that you look at my doors and in, be inspired to look at the details of your life on your journey, because that's where the richness is in the details. Absolutely. One question I forgot to ask you when we were talking, um, you know, about Fresh Prince, and then also, you know, you your marriage. Um, obviously, at, around the same time, um, you know, your husband was was doing a, a pretty popular sitcom too, in, in Sister Sister. So, what was it like to, I guess, both just kind of be rocking out at that exact same moment? I feel like sometimes, you know, one person has their moment and sometimes another does, but both of you guys were just firing on all cylinders at that exact same moment. We were blessed. We were very blessed. After working together, we were used to both of us being at it at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with Fresh Prince and Sister Sister. We just went to work and then we came home. And both of them were sitcoms, so we did have a life. Mm -hmm. That's a Monday through Friday kind of job, and it's like nine to five. You don't have to go into the night except on Fridays. So we had a great time. We did a lot of traveling, and the kids got to travel with us, and it, we've had a blessed life. We've really done well. Yeah, well, I think... I think based on just our, our short conversation today, I, I think it was well-deserved. I couldn't, it couldn't have happened to a better person. You've been Thank an you. absolute delight to talk to him. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you very much. Well, I've really appreciated it. I want to be cognizant of your time. So I appreciate you being here. You have a great rest of the day and, uh, and hopefully we'll, you said you, you know, people have, have mentioned different projects. I hope to, to see Some you on the screen sometime soon. Yeah. In the meantime, keep up with me on DaphneMaxwellReed.com. Yeah. Well, I, I've already kind of forgotten my, my manners there. Is there ways that people can, can, can stay yeah. in contact with you? Yeah. My website has most of the things that I'm doing and ways to contact me. And Instagram, of course, is just Miss Daphne 13. Miss Daphne so. 13. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate all your so time. Join. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I will for sure. I, I don't know how I missed your Instagram. I've definitely been all over your website, but 
but that's that's our project for today. Okay. <laughs> Daphne 13. You take care. Thank you and very you much. Well. Thank you. Have a great weekend. And that was my interview with Daphne Maxwell Reed. Just an amazing person. I think you could you could tell that. Um, she was just a, a delight to speak with. Hope you learned a lot. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope you, you go and check out that uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion special on HBO Max if you haven't already. It was a, a great, uh, great reunion, great tribute to, um, you know, the show and, and James Avery, who played Uncle Phil, who is no longer with us. Uh, it, it was just a, a pleasure to, to watch that show and a pleasure to then be able to speak uh, to Daphne, hear her story, um, you know, everything from from growing up in New York City to um, Northwestern and the, the tribulations that, that came with that, um, and then just her, her success in, in sitcoms, um, and of course with, with Fresh Prince. She was just a, a great person to speak with. Uh, I was honored to do it. Um, please do check out her website, DaphneMaxwellReed.com. Check out her, her cookbooks, her books um, showcasing doors around the world. And I'll tell you, it really is a, a cool book um, to see. And hopefully we can check her out uh, in the future on, on uh, you know, whether it's a, another show or some other medium. would love, uh, love to catch her on something else. And uh, I really appreciate you being here this week. Hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, take it away, Scott. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.